Hey, Freakazoid. I figured out how to fix our our show. The fact that we didn't have enough time to prep it. Really, Cosgrove? Yeah. I'm all ears. Yeah, you're you're made of the internet, right? Well, I figured I would just use the modern version of the internet. Only the PG parts of the internet, Cosgrove. Yeah, sure, kid. Shh. So, I, I I enlisted the help of this modern internet, this uh, Chat GPT. To uh, write us a couple of sketches. Chat good pretty things. I'm all ears. All right. Again. And so the actors quickly read their lines and put forward this presentation. Scene opens in a museum where Cave Guy is admiring a painting. Freakazoid enters. Wow, look at all these cool things. <gasps> hey, a T-Rex! It's all just a bunch of old bones. I'll stick to more refined forms of art. Check this out! Oh boy. Freakazoid touches the T-Rex skeleton, causing it to come to life. What are you doing, Freakazoid? I just brought the T-Rex to life! Yeehaw! The T-Rex starts rampaging through the museum, knocking over exhibits. This is not how a hero behaves. Cosgrove enters. Oh my goodness. Freakazoid, what have you done? Just having a little fun, Cosgrove. Freakazoid, can't you ever act like a proper hero? This isn't fun, this is destructive. Cut it out, Freakazoid. Oh, you're right. Did you know that the world's largest rubber band ball weighed 9,032 pounds? Yeah, I thought that was pretty good, Freakazoid. At least it filled enough time for the commercial to start. If I may, not not your best work. I didn't write this. Oh, really? ChatGPT wrote this. That's amazing. Really? I, I I gave it a little feedback, but this is like from ChatGPT. Oh, well then we have to keep it all in. <laughs> well, how do we how do we cohere these ideas in our poor voice direction? Oh, we don't. Zane, we don't. No, uh, no, no. I guess we not. just let it all sit there. Oh, and I'll Who's say this right now in case we actually do do it. And uh, thanks to Josh for providing the voice of Cave Guy. He he did it once, I think, on Empowered or or an earlier ep. Oh, he did it on Word Girl, and it was uh, really good. So I wanted to use Word Gerb. Yeah, and thanks to us for giving each other a hard time over not being able to do Cosgrove. It's a hard voice. It's it's a voice that can't exist <laughs> in a in a in a well, person. Well, died. <laughs> well, I, what do you mean? No, but like, it's just it's the flattest read imaginable mm -hmm. yeah you have to you have it, to have the voice already and you can't do that as a podcaster a podcaster has to emote even when we don't feel like emoting that's the only i don't have any particular feelings right now but i i have to project <laughs> like i do i um i was auditioning for a sketch comedy group in college and after a couple rounds uh i i like went to the next round and they were like Hey, so you're good, but um, we've kind of only seen you at really high energy. Can you like play it down a little bit? Like, can you show us some range? But then the no! next the next script they gave me was like hype man at a car salesman something. I'm like, come on, I can't do this, guys. Guys, can't do this low. <laughs> I 
can't believe I've been. Uh, what's the what's the t- I typecasted? I've been typecasted before becoming an actor. Mm-hmm. Zane, do, I I haven't checked out Chat GPT at all. It's it's interesting. So it has a lot of problems. First off, okay. It's designed to be, cite the problems. It's designed to be conversational. So it's like, uh, it's not designed to give you correct information. It's designed to keep up the pace of a conversation. Yeah, garbage in, garbage it's, out. It's, I, I, it, another stated another way. It's fine with lying. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's. I mean, it it. Yeah, I, I, there was that um, there was that one story about the uh, the 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 relationship app that like mm-hmm. turned really stalky and creepy. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they're just like AI hasn't reached a point where they can moderate the range of acceptable human behavior. Like it, it just the the breadth isn't wide enough yet. Yeah. So it only knows how to behave in the one specific way and so, chat, chat so, GPT so I, is just keep the conversation. I, going. I was able to tell it like, hey, can you write me a short sketch with these characters? And it did. And then I'm like, this character should be more stop you know, Cave Guy should be more snobbish. Cosgrove should say something random. Freakazoid should jump around a lot. Like I had okay. to give it some information, but then it was able to, you know, write a coherent thought. Kind of. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> well, I mean, like, it, let's not break ourselves over to the coals too much, because, like, if, if we didn't write it, uh, we did the best we could with what we had. That line about the world's largest rubber band ball, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that they do in the show. Yes. So it's, like, not... What I found this time, like, I've... I've we, we do this every so often with a with a, with a, car, with a Carton cast episode, which, by the way, my name is Ben. And my name is Zane. And it's the Carton cast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. This is our 200th episode. No big deal. Uh, uh, with Weena Mercator as the hopping woman. I'm sorry. What was that That language? <laughs> Every episode, uh, it, they love doing little, like, Easter eggs. Every episode, they have a picture of that horrible Emmett Nervend. Uh, oh, yeah. Which I believe was your screen grab for quite w- some time. It, it was my, 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 I think my Facebook photo for a while. <laughs> uh, and they also have some accreditation of Weena Mercator as the hopping woman. I, I, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't, it's just, it's in the show. It's like the, um, the credits to Barclay's Shut Up and Jam Gaiden. Yeah, it's, it's where, betrothed like, to its own canonicity. Yeah, it, um, oh, what, what was the... That one episode of the Venture Brothers, mm-hmm. where in the credits they gave somebody a fake nickname, like you know the the yellow dart style thing nickname, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason they they were enamored with the phrase "robot water" <laughs> from a part in the episode where like Rusty excitedly exclaims, "Ooh, look up robot water!" And in the credits, it's guy's first name quotation marks robot water last name. <laughs> pretty good <laughs> it just that's the kind of energy this is bringing to so that okay re- rewind the tape what i wanted to say is that freakazoid our 200 show we have a lot of fondness for and what we have to deal with is a lot of surreal humor that isn't lol random but gets very close yeah and it's it's a hard it's a hard needle to thread it's um Remember that uh, thing we looked at with early Flash animation, the um, drinking out of cups, the guy, you know, random, <laughs> random speak. 
where yeah. it's random and you can laugh about it on the non sequitur standpoint, but also after a while it becomes nostalgia or an in-joke. So like yeah. that's where the appeal comes in at that point, right? You can't remake it. We saw this a lot with Robot Chicken. Yeah, yeah, there is there is a um I'm reminded of one uh control alt delete comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, they would do, he would do, and like, I have a lot of problems with that webcomic now, but in the early, like, 2000s, that was kind of my jam for m- offbeat, um, manic humor mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And, and he'd have these comics every so often, Chef Brian, which is a little bit of surrealism. And he made the, oh, the yeah. point in a Chef Brian comic that, like, people think that you just put random stuff together and comedy pops out that's not quite it there is more of a craft to it there is design to it um a a lot depends on the intonation and the choreography and not just lol random and even though i don't think that was done well in that comic (laughs) i that that point point stuck with me Yeah, yeah we're like there is a lot of randomness that is is difficult to describe in this and it might just end up being a subjective you it you 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 grab onto that, whereas maybe another person would completely slip. It would completely slip by you. There's okay. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop myself there. We'll get back into the low rand bits. I, I I jumped the gun. I got ahead of myself. I'm sorry. Uh, Zane, it's our two hundredth episode. Happy birthday. Do we want to say anything? No, it feels a lot less of an occasion than the last one. It, yeah, we're just kind of <laughs> just kind of putting in the time. I I will say though, Freakazoid. Yeah, I've been looking forward to coming back to this, and uh, I don't know. Uh, well, how did how did you feel coming back to this? It it, it felt um, kind of like a a little bit of a roller coaster. I think I had um, high highs and low lows, and the parts I was expecting to really like were not necessarily the parts that I did end up really liking. Um, I think that, uh, there, this is a, a show, it had two seasons and I think the first season leans a lot more on that random sense of humor and maybe some references. And the second set really grounded itself and built something a bit more structured. And I think that made it stronger. So it was, it was neat to see that because that's not the perspective that you would have as a kid going into it. Yeah, it's, it's. There is a nostalgia that I have for this mm-hmm. that breaks my ability to view it objectively. Mm-hmm. Like, I I can't really remove myself from finding some of Freakazoid's antics funny simply because I've, I feel like I've always found them funny. Mm-hmm. And maybe I have more of a nostalgia for it than you do, but... We might both just have the same nostalgia, and we bite, might not be able to accurately portray where the humor comes from. I'm going to do my best to try to like pull myself back and intellectually explain yeah. why I found parts of this funny. But um, I will admit right off the bat, I was not disappointed coming back to this. Yeah. like I think I um, was wary that some of that nostalgia was ill-earned, and I came away from it... Uh, feeling that it was justified. Like, uh, I, I still found a lot of this funny, 
It is the third in the Steven Spielberg Warner Brothers collab uh, in the animation renaissance. Yes, we, so had, we... we had Tiny Toon Adventures. Mm-hmm. We had Animaniacs, and then in '94, Freakazoid. And then we also got um, Pinky and the Brain. That is just Animaniacs. <laughs> well, Ben, I have some bad news for you about Freakazoid <laughs> and how it's also okay. Just Animaniacs. There. But okay, yes, however, well, there's some there's some pretty concrete differences that yeah. set them apart. Yeah, um, no, I agree. I, th- I think once they started moving it, and they themselves say it. So, um, Freakazoid ran on Kids WB from 1995 to 1997, and later on Cartoon Network. It was originally conceived by Bruce Tim and Paul Dini of Batman the Animated Series fame, and it was going to be a straightforward adventure series with some comedic elements. And then WB and Spielberg, the Amblin Entertainment Animation, Spielberg said, make it a comedy. And he put Tom Ruger in charge of it. Now, Tom Ruger, at the height of his fame in working on Tiny Toons and Animaniacs, seems to have just taken this and run with it. Um, That is very easy to see. it, It feels like, you know, we saw this just last time in Robot Chicken. There is pop culture reference humor like the Animaniacs do it, and then superhero pop culture humor, there's actually, that's quite a large slice of the Venn diagram. You can do a whole show about that. I found the pop culture humor references so much more obscure in this than the Animaniacs one. Yeah. And and you do get the feeling, because Animaniacs was chopped up into a bunch of little segments, that it had a lot of writers working on it where Mm -hmm. some took point here some put took point here one team was on pinky and the brain duty the others were on buttons and mindy blah 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 this feels so much like ruger had the whip in hand through the entire (laughs) thing like it it feels more singularly devised and he wanted to see more clinton impressions (laughs) <laughs> boy <laughs> yeah i i watched like only like four or so episodes and i found just as many clinton impressions <laughs> um yeah so it's uh the character of freakazoid sort of our main figure here uh although with quite a large supporting cast of weirdos um it was inspired directly by mike allred's comic character madman uh and the author uh, was upset when no mention or attribution was made when you know when the show came out, but eventually he said basically like yeah whatever I kind of ripped it off too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's very I, funny. I have a quote here. To be honest, Madman is an amalgam of half a dozen other influences. So who am I to complain? <laughs> nice. Yeah, Freakazoid is um, a very striking visual design. He's yeah. he's like the long red underwear like, with an exclamation point. He looks like. Um, a combination of like the proportions of Gumby with the hair of Bride of Frankenstein mm-hmm. and the costume of a Dr. Seuss creature, like a thing one or thing two. Yeah, this is thing three. He got into the formula. Yeah, this is thing pie. This is thing... Because <laughs> he just keeps going. Yeah, it's it's very... It's and... a very striking visual design. I, I ended up enjoying him a lot for reasons that go beyond the visual design and go more into the attitude but i'll I'll go into that later yeah um and i think can i um can i also point out uh a, a little bit of context for maybe what 
garnered this approach to this character yeah. and this show. The movie The Mask. Oh, right. Came out a year earlier than Jim, this. Everywhere you look, Jim Carrey had a reach. Yeah, this is so The Mask. It's <laughs> insane. Yep. Like, the Dexter Douglas freakazoid is very Stanley Ipkiss The Mask. To the point at which, like, the, the p- part in my brain that kind of clicked on was, like, in the first episode of Freakazoid, he's, like, in a room with a bunch of people, and he, he just, he, charisma, he charismas his way into a song and dance number and gets the people to follow him. Mm-hmm. Not unlike Cuban Pete, the yes. king of the rumba beat but what in if he, The Mask. But what if he had a, um, God, the name is escaping me. The, um, <sighs> hey, lady, that guy. Hey, pretty lady, uh, Billy Crystal? No, it's, it's. Hello in there. Are you sure? I'm, I know it's not. I know it's not okay. that. God, it's a gonna... similar affect, but this yes. Is gonna bug... This is going to bug me. Please look it up. I, I, it will bug me as well. Jerry Lewis. Okay, there we it's go. Jerry Lewis. Animaniacs again. Mm-hmm. They, they brought up Jerry Lewis a lot. Yeah. Um, I have one more thing here. So you, you, actually, I forgot what your point was. Oh, right, the charisma, the Cuban Pete. Um, yeah, the, the the fact that this came out right after the mask, and that may have influenced it somewhat. Yeah, and I think it it shows a little bit in the more like this 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 appeals more to people who would watch the mask, like young adults or teens, not so much the young kids that the Animaniacs was aiming at. There's a little because Animaniacs, it's there's something less for the ver- kids. Something for the adults. Freakazoid, all in the middle. Yeah, in in Animaniacs, there was a lot more visual chaos. Yeah. And this this is much more grounded, much more focused. Not the least of which is because we don't have to divvy up our time between five disparate worlds all within Warner Brothers Park. Like, we're not watching a slappy squirrel for five minutes and then panning over to Pinky and the Brain. Yeah. We are watching mostly Freakazoid. Uh, and that has some positives and minuses. Yeah, you you do see the growing pains of that in the first season, where it's like we're gonna have a a, a five minute sketch starring yes. Freakazoid, and then then we kind of need to do another one. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really. And know then how throw to, to the gnomes, full, like they we didn't know how to do a full episode on Freakazoid yet. They figured uh, it out. They 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 did get better at it later, and some of the stuff. I'll be honest. I didn't really see a bunch this time because I kind of focused pretty heavily on the Freakazoid-heavy arcs. Yeah. But uh, Fat Man, Hero Boy... I the one-note one jokes. They they all missed me pretty hard. Boron. Moron was tough, man. Yeah. Um, But honorable mention for... Um, the Huntsman. <laughs> yeah, the Huntsman, Lord Bravery. Like, they're the good ideas, the bad ideas. They they, they were trying stuff out. Right. Um, right, right, right. But even even though they did get better, um, they, the show had poor ratings. Like, it didn't appeal to the young kids, and it had uh, time slot problems. Like, it got moved around a lot. Paul Rugg said with regards to the ratings, Paul Rugg, one of the, the main voice actors here, he said, and I, I want to know your take on this quote. There aren't a lot of Nielsen boxes in federal prison. Had there been, I'm telling you, we'd still be on the air today. Wow. Ben, what does I, that I mean really, to you? That, there's a lot in that that I don't know how to unpack. <laughs> Not the least of which is is how he knows that. 
<laughs> like like the actual content of that. Uh, well, I'm assuming he just he just thinks that. Like, I don't know if he did a survey of federal prisons. Boy, it sounds like he's intimately familiar. But you know, it's it's this is the frustration because a lot of the time the lol random humor thing. I remember when I was young that a lot of my humor kind of was was pretty random stuff and i hated being called out on it mm-hmm. and i kind of hate paul rugg for calling out that freakazoid appeals to insane people no this show <laughs> freakazoid is it's like again with that chef brian stuff you can see the craft behind them there's method yep. to the madness mm-hmm. there is extremely solid intonation in these punchlines. There is such good focus to drive the comedic edge home for what seem like random diversions from the main plot. They're mm-hmm. they're they're tactically employed, even if the content of those tactically employed segments is utter madness. Right. So yeah, I I I, I kind of push back against that notion that like this appeals to insane people or like you got to be on the spectrum to like this. There's. There's there's some very solid comedic foundation here. Yeah, yeah, the, and the, and there's wit, right? There are like there funny is. lines and line deliveries in uh, the the um, or, secret origin episodes where he becomes Freakazoid, right? Love him. And Roddy McStew suspects that he's in this house and he has to lie his way into a teenage boy's room. <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Peeper, if I do say so. And his mom is like, what are you, who are you? And he's like, I'm his accountant. And she's like, well, he's a young boy. He's, oh, I'm a driving instructor. Uh, he needs his driving lesson. And she's like, well, it, it's Christmas Eve. He's like, he's a very bad driver. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like a faulty towers read. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very much um, like they, they were, the content can be about random things. But the craft is, you know, classical. Yeah. And I think that what what we're going to struggle with is that sometimes it does genuinely feel like it came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Well, and... well, give, give an example, because we have we all have this idea yeah. in our mind of like, OK, superhero show. Something happens. He has to attend to it. Yes, it's going to be wacky, but he's going to save the day. Like, that's the basic idea. What about these other segments? These other segments or, like, the things that are kind of random humor? Which, what, because, whatever didn't... Whatever slid off you. Whatever slid off me. Um, let me think. I guess it would be more of the random segments than anything else. Because the idea of this, you know, madman solving crimes and do, being a bit roundabout about it, like, that's pretty good. But sometimes we have a few minutes where we're cr- checking out something completely unrelated. Well, they and those can work. It it kind of depends. It's not inherent in the pan away to go look at something else. Mm. One of my favorite bits in Freakazoid is uh, Jack Valenti. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know this one. He he deliberately he he Freakazoid is trying to get on with the episode. Like there, there's such good meta narrative in this, where like Freakazoid comes out in front of the camera and talks to the mm-hmm. and talks to Jack Valenti and is like, okay, I think we're ready for the next part of the episode. Uh, and Jack is just starting to get into the 
rating system for movies and like <laughs> has this chart with like a bunch of little stick figures on it. It's like now a, if a movie is PG, it means that the whole family can see it. <laughs> but PG thirteen, well, you might want to just leave the kids at home and freak away. It's like Jack, come on, we 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 have the rest of this. <laughs> right. No, no, I this is really important. I want to, I really want to go over this and. Later on in the episode, apropos of nothing, we just cut back to that. And the meta-narrative is this guy is just so focused on <laughs> delivering his manifesto <laughs> that he just grabs the camera back. You know what I think it is? I think the show is doing everything it can to distract you from the fact that it's padded as hell. So it comes down to whether or not that padding was made well. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I guess in the first season especially, all those kind of like one-off, not quite an- not quite anything segments, mm-hmm. really, really rough stuff for yeah. me. Uh, when it started kind of filling out the Freakazoid cast and kind of just letting him play wherever he ended up, mm-hmm. I found it a lot more enjoyable. And not the least of which is because he is very charismatic. Yeah, let's like, talk this about is, this is this is Paul Rugg, yep, voicing Freakazoid, and we we've um, seen Paul Rugg before as Dark Lord Chuckles, the silly piggy from Dave the Barbarian. Yeah, this I want to talk about this character and the conception, like the, the idea of a man. What is the internet? Because that's a that fantastic is, idea, and they should honestly do more with it. Yeah, honestly, I don't know how much more you could do with it. Uh, inter- internet meant something else back in those days, right? Like this is this is it wasn't hell th- like yeah, it is this now. Is, yeah, this is pre aughts internet that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. It, um, it was all full of hope and excitement. People were just starting to do businesses there. Everyone was, was making it was money. So the, cryptic. The dot com boom hadn't busted, or whatever the words are for that. There were a bunch of websites that were just like, "Hey, here's a bunch of fucking rotating gifts that I don't know what to do with," and we didn't hate it um, yet. Well, there it was. It wasn't designed with malice because the money wasn't there yet, right? And and it wasn't part of our social infrastructure. So only the devoted and obsessive found their way there. Yeah, and yeah, the the notion of a man, what is the internet? Is is like Roddy McStew, his Obi Wan, his yes, his the, mentor <laughs> Basil Exposition. He yeah, he even calls that out one time, which is pretty funny. He's like, "Yeah, they just, I, I got to do all the I got to tell you all the all the plot in this episode. This sucks." Um he kind of explains that this microchip is it has, has a, a flaw, flaw in it. it. Yeah. And that if if a person were to put the specific code of less than a line of code followed by delete it will suck them into the internet, making them... Okay, hang on. Let me see if I got this right here. It gives them all the power of the internet. No, 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 it doesn't. It gives them all the information in the internet, which gives them power. Uh, <laughs> gives like them there's, a, there's a There's a missing link here. It, it gives them super strength, super... You know, kind of he can do whatever he wants. He breaks reality. But it also turns him extremely silly. Right. Which is incredible <laughs> <laughs> and and the like, way that he explains this it, like his the again the line read is incredible he's like it would give him superhuman power able to do just about anything but he'd be very silly it's like just slid under there the conceit of the show is just slid yes. under there 
that chocolate makes it go down easier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's a very yeah the 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 just sliding the jokes through is mm-hmm. uh is a really fun way for them to do things here. Um, but yeah, he's really strong, really fast, but has the mind of a child. And and this is I think where this show um doesn't make obsolete Animaniacs. That is uniquely good in a different way. Mm-hmm. But I think this evolves from the Animaniacs paradigm because we have a character that is more likable, in my opinion, than the trio in the Animaniacs. Mm-hmm. The, the the Warner brothers and sister, the Warner... Do they just call themselves the Warner siblings? The Warner. I don't actually remember. The, is it really just the... I mean, I, I guess that's their last name, but... Um... They were just sort of manifold chaos yeah. that troubled normies, quote unquote normies in the Warner, in, in the in the in the parking and lot. And there were area. three of them, so it was relentless. It was both relentless, and it didn't require a straight man to continue the scene, which mm. I think is actually a weakness. Yeah. Every time we're dealing with Freakazoid, we're dealing with somebody who isn't on his level, and he gets to shine. Or we get to be put in the place of the person who's being irritated by Freakazoid, which also rules. Yep. There's so many parts of this where there's a villain, and Freakazoid is just doing some bullshit, and the villain is like, I'm so sick of this. <laughs> <laughs> why can't Why can't you just, like, chase me around and be done with it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's this one episode, um, I think it's the first episode, actually, where Freakazoid is searching for a sidekick. And he comes up with the notion of Handman. Yeah. <laughs> which is just the Eric Cartman, Hennifer Lopez joke. Yeah. Uh, where he draws a little face on his hand and pretends that that's the sidekick. And the villain, Loeb, which is, you know, kind of classic. You got a smart guy. He's got an exposed brain. Well, no, this guy is just mostly a brain. Right. Loeb looks at this, looks at the camera while Freakazoid is just doing bad ventriloquism <laughs> and just he looks so tired he's just like can you believe this shit and they bring and, him back in the next season he says something to freakazoid like oh come on it's yeah it's a weird plot but it's not as bad as the handman's nonsense <laughs> he's like some people like that <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it, the meta the meta comedy on this is so good and part of what i was saying is like that that scene captures both of the parts that I think are uniquely good about the comedy of watching Freakazoid as opposed to watching the Warner children. Mm -hmm. One of which is we really get to inhabit the other side of that relationship. We get to be Loeb just watching it with disbelief. (laughs) Like how long is this gag going to last? This is unbearable. Right. Um, But we also get to inhabit the man-child. It, it reminded me a lot of ways of um, the Frank Grimes Homer Simpson episode. Yeah. <laughs> where where we're drawn to empathize with um, Homer Simpson because he's very unpretentious. Like, he's just... He's just... He's just a happy-go-lucky so-and-so doing, doing what he pleases. He's, he's he doing about as well as this as I would do. <laughs> and there's... In the ventriloquism scene... Uh, Freakazoid Freakazoid loudly extols to Loeb saying, hang on just a moment. I have a 
a mighty thirst for a drink of water. Like, makes a big deal of it. Yeah. And then starts drinking the water while trying to make the hand man continue to talk. <laughs> and he, he he's not doing it. Like, this yeah. isn't this isn't competently done. <laughs> I, I really see the mask parallel now. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> like, you're just like, oh, good for him. Good for like, him. He's, he's, having, he's having a great time. It, it was the same thing as in... Um, in Johnny Bravo, or just like sometimes Johnny Bravo is just having a good day. Yeah, and you just you, you're just enjoying happy. this simple man not being bogged down by the way things should be, in terms of polite society or the superhero paradigm. He's just enjoying his own company. Mm-hmm. And they could have, they could have added weight to that, right? They could have made that part gravity where Dexter Douglas can't control the fact that he's freak like they touch on it but they never use it it's never sad it's never a serious thing it's no freakazoids on screen the the situation might be dire right he oh this is the guy in charge of stopping the nuke but he's not going to be serious you know what it's it's something that may not have worked as well if we weren't programmed through years of warner brothers television to expect the stakes of the orchestra. The the pit orchestra tells mm-hmm. us not to worry about dire straits. Yep. Uh, about dire straits. You shouldn't worry about <laughs> dire straits either. It's like that meme, like, y- you and it's the orchestra, and it's that guy she told you not to worry about, and it's the band Dire Straits. <laughs> Stupid. You shouldn't worry about the dire straits. Straits? Dire stakes. <laughs> because... Every time a bomb is about to go off, you get the big brass. It tells you this is all artifice. Yep. Nothing should be worried about. And when there's a dire situation and Freakazoid is, I better get over there. And he, you know, charges up like he's about to do his zip right to the point and then puts his arms out and (laughs) And makes whooshing noises. And like runs around like a toddler pretending to be an airplane. Yeah, it it slays. And we know he has like a fast car. He has a fast car. He can instant transmission from Delo from Dragon Ball Z. Like he can, he <laughs> could do all of these things. He chooses not to because it's more fun to run around with your arms out. It's like, like the, Roger the Rabbit, man... right? Like I couldn't do it yes. at any time. I could do it any time. It was funny. Exactly. This is such a good. That's. That's exactly it. It has to... He's basically a tune. Yeah, in, he's in, a tune. In the quote-unquote real world, yeah. And it's interesting that, like, the guy whose head is a giant brain and, you know... No, he's the normal one in that th- scene. Th- these, are, these are just, like, uh, these are Batman villains, right? We understand them. <laughs> and the populace is a very easily suggestible bunch of normies. Yeah, like, very Midwestern, like Sunnyvale. Yeah, especially the mom. yeah. They're yeah, all just the, like, the, the oh, big, okay, everything's the fine. The big pinched cheeks kind of thing, yeah. But like in the in the part where he does the Cuban Pete thing, the, all the other people are just like people at some random high school dance. Yeah, like, they they behave like people until Freakazoid starts doing his like little song and dance routine, and then they all follow him because right. he is a man what warps reality, mm-hmm. not unlike the mask. And and because we're always focused on Freakazoid. That keeps it from ever becoming too, you know, Batman the Animated Series-ish. 
Like in the second episode, um, he's fighting against Candlejack, and I'm not going to make the obvious, um, the joke where if you say his name, he kidnaps you. I, I thought we were going to give dead air, but okay. I, I did a little. I didn't give a lot. Oh, I figured we could fix that in post. Oh, okay. Um, so he Freakazoid's all tied up. It seems very dire, right? Like the the strings are telling us it's serious. He says, "Hang on, everybody," and he he's tied up. Well, the, with, str- the strings are telling us it's fake serious. Yes, yes. To be uh, to be clear, yes. Um, and he's going to cut through all of that by stopping the scene, saying, "Guys, cut. Hang on." The ropes that he's tied up with, it's not like he like loosens them or anything or wriggles out. He opens them on a hinge. <laughs> and stands up and he says, I just want to thank everybody on the crew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're all doing a great job. I want to thank this person, this actor. He's doing fantastic work. Our announcer. These kids. I love the kids. They're fantastic. We'll hug later. We will. It's it's the fake serious voice. There's this one part well, where... Yeah, like he's um, a real legitimate actor. <laughs> who, who, who was that? We, we talked about it once before of like fake serious... And I, I can't remember who it was, but that's such a fun character affect. There was this one part where um, Freakazoid got sucked into the past uh, yeah, yeah. for whatever reason. And the the plot does not matter. He's in the past. And we get a blatant, but it still hurts. Quantum, <laughs> a blatant quantum leap parody. Yes, Quantum complete, Freak. Complete with, like him being in a bunch of situations including american pie with stifler's mom <laughs> questionable is that what that was but then but then we see that it's all on a tv and we pan out and it's freakazoid doing his fake serious affect and he's like oh no i see i see that's that's good that's uh that's that's a good play of well a quantum well i can't say it because then we'll get sued but i'm reading ahead in the script and i i, I like where this goes this is this is good <laughs> you're gonna this like good. this you're gonna gonna like this just that fake serious affect mm-hmm. is such is so and killer to no end because they end both bits right after that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no commitment to the scene that we're in. There's only commitment to the character of Freakazoid, and I can't say enough about how much this show rests on the head of a pin, and that pin is Paul Rugg's performance, mm-hmm. and he balances it perfectly. Like this is, this is such a good read. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't get over it. I cannot get over it. (laughs) Um, can I, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I didn't have anything. Can I, um, pull back to our counterpoint, which is Animaniacs. Cause I I wanted to dive a little bit further into what makes this different. It's a critical thing to understand. So I, I talked before that the critical distinction is that we're focusing on Freakazoid as opposed to having less of a focus. And also when we do have the Warner Brothers, it's split three ways and mm-hmm. often doesn't deal with a passive viewer. Yep. Um, there are a few effects of this. One is that there's less variety. So I can imagine a kid would watch all of Animaniacs, not because they liked Buttons and Mindy or Slappy the Squirrel, but because they liked Pinky and the Brain. And the rest of it was harmless. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't like Freakazoid, you will not have anything. Right. So that that is that is one potential weakness of it. I ended up liking Freakazoid. I think he's a very funny, well-written character, so that didn't bother me. But 
you do know what you're getting kind of every <laughs> step of the way here. Yep. Um, I also think that because... Because we don't have expected breaks from the main scene of action, you know, we, we don't have, okay, start the clock. We got five minutes where Freakazoid has to wrap up a problem. Nope, it can go the whole 11 minutes. Yeah. We, 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 can, we, can, we can pan that out. That We have enough focus on, an, on a fun enough character with what would eventually become a well-established, well-enough-established world that we can bear out 11 minutes. That wasn't true for Animaniacs. And what that allows for is I think a greater ability to digress for minor like five to ten second things. Yeah, yeah. Animaniacs, so you couldn't really pull away from the Warner Brothers during a Warner Brothers segment yeah. because the, the focus was already too sporadic. It was it was because you're only in like a three minute segment and you have five other segments in this show doing a small digression doesn't work. In Freakazoid, you cut away from Freakazoid briefly, you know you're going to be back in it, right? You only have to keep two things in yeah. mind. Yeah, that's Other why the than... quantum freak, freak joke worked. It like only took like 30 seconds, but even though we were taking taking away away from this scene, we know that it's it's going to be a couple seconds. Just, just enjoy you what you're given and come back around. I'll give an example of the digression that we kind of see. So in, the, in that first episode... Um, in between a couple of scenes, the announcer says, like, and what about this curious character? And it's like this guy hunched over with his watch. And he's like, this strange man with a mystical watch that can turn beavers into gold. Yeah. <laughs> what part will he play in this drama? And then the whole rest of the show goes. And then he shows up at the end being creepy. And Freakus is like, dude, you're horrible. I don't want to look at you. <laughs> yeah, we, and that's we all hate you. That's it. <laughs> that's all you need. Okay. And, and let's point out there for a second. Low random humor, but tactically employed in mm -hmm. a much more, in a much more, um, in a much more, I guess, tactical way, so that it actually makes humor come by, out. Like by we're not drawing... just we're not smash cutting to this random guy. We're setting it up. Yes. We're we're foreshadowing that he will play a part, and then he doesn't. So the anticlimax of Freakazoid just like yelling at him. Ends up being very funny. And the timing of it is very well done as well because you're like, oh, now I'm trying to keep in mind how this will factor into the plot. And it lasts long enough for you to forget that that came up. Timing is the secret ingredient that makes this show pop. pop. Mm -hmm. Like it is it is the sriracha for this show. Yeah. Um, there, can I give you another example of the I, digression? I would, I would I love it great. if this episode was nothing but a million Freakazoid digressions, and it would be fitting. Because here's the thing. We both like Freakazoid from way back in the day. We don't talk as much sugar about it as Jackie Chan Adventures, I think because it is less special, less unique yeah. than Jackie Chan Adventures. But I still have very fond memories because the timing and the context of the jokes are so well tuned to the scenes it, it's, they're it's in. It's a harder thing to describe. They stuck in my brain, though. Like, they're things that I rem I hear in my head all the time. The way Here's a Homestar another... Runner line would. It's very Homestar Runner. Mm -hmm. um, I, what did I just text you yesterday? Um, it was the strong bad line of every time someone says the word understand, I think of the scene in Homestar Runner where Strongbad is like getting really distraught and he says, you you don't understand. You all understand. I mean, don't understand. <laughs> uh, 
I say that constantly. It's so it's so good. And like I, it, it kind of defies explication in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But something was there, and it maybe not even just that joke, but Homestar Runner in general. You can write it off as low random humor. There's something to the craft that sticks with people, and that's true here too. Let me give you another digression. I okay. I had one as uh, well. Um, <laughs> There's a scene where Freakazoid is fighting a couple of security guards, and he pretzels them. Yeah. And he says, looks like you guys are going to need a chiropractor. And he kicks them out of the building. They land way across town in the chiropractor's office. We pan out to see the chiropractor. He's, like, looking at his schedule, and he looks at the table where the guys have just landed, crashed mm-hmm. in through the roof. And he's, like, this creepy little hunched-over, like, bald dude, <laughs> like, kind of a Sigmund Freud type. And he sees them, and he happily, like, cracks his knuckles and then, like, wiggles his fingers yeah. like he's about to get in there. And, like, with his creepy <laughs> little smile. It takes all of five seconds. <laughs> and then it just, that's the that's scene. End. Done. Yeah. It, it's, 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 a, it's a joke cake. You have the big main joke at the bottom, and then you sprinkle on successively smaller jokes on top until you're done, and then you move on. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> when um when when Freakazoid says, I have to do something really important and Cos I can't waste any time. And Cosgrove rolls up and he says, Hey Freakazoid, you wanna stop for a mint? And Freakazoid says, Do I? <laughs> and then you cut to the mint scene, and Freakazoid is like rubbing his distended I, I, stomach. He's he's patting it like he just ate three Thanksgiving dinners. It's so good. <laughs> and like I don't know what Cosgrove means by a mint. Is this like a thing I don't recognize, or does he mean like it, the, the the place is called like Mint a Dint Dint or something? Like it's a chain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like this is a, the world famous mint establishment. It's just wonderfully and, like, arranged. They just they underline it. They're like that was one tasty mint, like. <laughs> It's Each making me do the right amount of work. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they're 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 not ex, they're not over explaining the joke. Yeah, and that's that's really satisfying. They don't they don't overstay their welcome. They stay just long enough. They don't do a you know let's stay in the chiropractor's office past to where it's funny. Mm-hmm. Like they, we have this creepy little guy. He looks over. He seems real excited. He cracks his knuckles and he's like, all right, let me get in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the, 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 and those, those finger waggles are the little figurines on top of the cake. Exactly. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, now there. You had another one, I think. No, that was it. The, the mint one. Oh, okay. Excuse me. Um, I yeah, think we should. And hit... we could go all day with those digressions because it's. They're unending. Yeah. And they're all. And they can all be there because we're not constantly jumping from format to format yep and there there are weaker segments right they they have the idea oh we're gonna do like a like a quick you know uh, a minute long clip where it's basically something falls on somebody right animaniacs humor piano fall yeah. on a mime yeah does it doesn't work as well here right the craft is wrong it, it's it's the wrong context for those segments right freakazoid may not may be pretty random but he's still recognizably a comic book character, and you do need setup. Comic books do not just start in the middle. They not not well. We sh- we should mention uh, a bit of the genre here, which yeah. is the superhero parody. Well, it, this is a superhero show in the way that Megas XLR is a mech show. Like I, I agree. Yeah, it's like not it, quite. 
but it still constrains the format. So mm-hmm. like it's it's harder to walk away from that. You know, it it's harder to do kind of whatever you feel like. Mm-hmm. Um in Animaniacs, you could have I'm I'm struggling to even remember all the weird bullshit they went through. <laughs> um like the 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 if we're we're, we're stopping in with uh, Professor Scratch and Sniff. Great name. Uh, great character, mm-hmm. not unlike Loeb. And we're just going to listen to um, three annoying kids making an adult man have, like, a manic breakdown. Like, that that can happen. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to—you you would have to explain why is Freakazoid in the psych, psychiatrist's office or why is Freakazoid on a game show. These things would need to have a little bit more startup right. uh, cost— Whereas, like, you could have the Animaniacs are on a Jeopardy, like, and then they do the 50 States riff, and it's like, they go wherever they want. That's not true, Freakazoid. (laughs) Freakazoid is in his 50s nerd house life as Dexter Douglas, or he's being a superhero. There's an amount you can do with that, but it's not unlimited in the same way that that Animaniacs was. Yeah, you're you're limited to what you would expect to see in a superhero show right oh we're doing a time travel thing fine we're we're at the museum fine you can do like one step removed in either direction of the superhero thing like you can do action thing or you can do sci-fi thing those are more or less along the same action um continuum as superheroes so you can Mm -hmm. still kind of get it across but you can't really you can't really go full nonsense with it in the same way that you could with Animaniacs, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah, they... <sighs> hmm. And it's clear that they have proficiency with certain parts of that better than others. Um, they're, they're much more at home with, like, the classic superhero tropes and subverting those or, you know, making it weird. Um, when they mm-hmm. focus in on Dexter in an episode and he they do an E.T. thing with Moron, it doesn't work as... Like, that fits thematically, but Dexter's less interesting than Freakazoid. Moron's awful. Um, He's not good. They just... They, 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 they're clearly less comfortable making jokes in that arena because they're, they're too spoof-tied. They're too tied to a specific parody rather than a genre yeah. parody. The genre parodies that are close enough to a Freakazoid to work still work on me, even if Freakazoid's not in the shot. In uh, one episode where Freakazoid's arch nemesis, uh, Gutierrez, Mm. uh, he kidnaps Dexter Douglas and Roddy McStew in an effort to become the Freakazoid himself. And the scene opens up with them in his office tied to chairs with Roddy McStew screaming, You'll never get away with it, Gutierrez. (laughs) Right. Get away with what? I haven't said anything yet. You're right. Sorry, I jumped the gun. My fault. <laughs> like <laughs> that is the parody of like the the expectation spy thriller. Right. The spy thriller is close enough to superhero for it to work. So when we parody it, our minds were close enough to that area for the parody to work. And in another episode where Gutierrez like isekai is freakazoid into his computer games, Love like. It. That's close enough as Zane, well. Did, Zane, did we find the first isekai? Oh no, I think you're thinking of. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude, um, uh, Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. That was the first one. 
I'm sorry, what is this? Yeah, Mark Twain, Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Uh, they remade it as a kid in King Arthur's Court as like a Disney movie in the 90s. That sounds Guy from familiar, the Civil War but... ends up fighting alongside King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. Is this connecting? That's, that's what I'm hearing, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, let's move I'm kinda, on. I'm only going to hear King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. I, I shouldn't start when you, when this. You, whenever you say anything about King Arthur. Knights, Knights, Knights. <laughs> um, God, how good of a joke is it that the... That football team was named the Knights. <laughs> it was it was okay. It it was the obvious joke, but it's still a good joke. Oh, another uh the the play serious thing. The um the you, you we were talking about like the like him stepping out of the ropes and being like, Listen, I just wanna say everyone's doing a really good job. This is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh it it reminded me of Annie. That that the musical with the Darth Vader yeah the like, Darth Vader tr- musical by Starkid yeah just like explaining <laughs> it's like no, no no this is where the humor comes from this, yeah. this is why it's funny mm-hmm. uh, yeah sorry I I just I had that written yeah. down I'm like I'm sure this is no, that, very that's similar good. Um, a lot of good meta humor in this yeah um, do we want to talk about the the supporting cast and how they factor in because I think they they do a good enough job in taking the burden off of Freakazoid so that he can shine. Yeah, the, this is, it's a difficult, I don't remember a recent show, like most of the, the, the kind of surreal comedy shows that we've seen in the Carton cast are very ensemble cast, mm-hmm. they're, you know, Animaniacs specifically, but also Tiny Toon Adventures, um, and, and, and the rest, um, they they kind of don't re- rely on a single character as much so the composition of the supporting cast i think changes cuz you need to thread the fine line what is interesting enough that we don't mind looking at it but doesn't over doesn't doesn't overpower our like we we don't want to um i'm i'm searching for the right metaphor help me out here um i'm lost we don't want to overpower our our star ingredients. Yeah, right. Yeah, we we don't dilute what works, right? Add in enough supporting cast to make it clear that this is a parody, right? You need the damsel in distress, you need the cop best friend or whatever, but the focus should be on Freakazoid for as much time as possible. I think that the show creators recognize that because these villains, to my mind, are more or less the perfect cast of villains for Freakazoid. Like, I think they're all impeccably designed to be quirky and funny, but not that funny. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're you kind of get their gimmick just looking at them. Like, Cave Guy, okay, I get it, big strong dude. And then he talks a clear impression of the guy from Gilligan's Island, the, the millionaire. And it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thurston joke. Howell, the third two tier joke. We're rolling, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, now we're, we're, now we're there. Um, and, uh, and he's a sophisticate to, um, for, for freakazoid to, you know, uh, ruffle feathers to with. Rodney Dangerfield all over him. <laughs> yeah. More or less. Um, the look lobe. at those pearls you look at those pearls you're clutching. Would be a shame if something happened to them. <laughs> the lobe is like a classic Lex Luthor type. Um, he's great, and he he's just so 
I, I saw from him more disdain and frustration with Freakazoid than anyone else. And but it, also it it's clear killed that, me. It's clear that they like have a working relationship. Like they run into each other Christmas shopping and they're like, so what did you get me? <laughs> oh God. Well, that that's the, yeah, that's so good. And um, there's an episode where the lobe, like Dexter finally gets a date with Steph or whatever. And the lobe really wants to have a fun time, like getting chased by Freakazoid. He's like, we never go out anymore. <laughs> Yep, and he crashes. You know the it's, restaurant. It's a very, it's a very Professor Doofenshmirtz sort of thing where yeah, we're treating, yeah. where we're or Harvey Birdman, where we're treating villain relationship like real relationship. And we get that classic, you know, date night, leave it to Beaver. Oh, I have two girls for the same night. Yeah, but one of them is a villain who's like turning Freakazoid into different people. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really good actually. And then we get a song and dance number. Um, Perfect. And and the little the little cherry on the top of the joke Sunday, the lobe knocked out the guards in the guard station and he switched the security camera to watch Seinfeld. And he <laughs> jokes and he says the key to the whole show is Newman. That's so good. That joke's not for young kids, guys. You have to recognize your audience. <laughs> <laughs> Joke is for no one. <laughs> what does it mean? But Zane... I know that you and I remember that line. It's important. For decades, <laughs> the key to the whole show is Newman is is an incredible nonsense insight. Because you need to know so many things. <laughs> <laughs> but you need to know a lot less for those base tier jokes, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I love that all the villains are quirky enough to be able to deliver those punchlines. They're not freakazoid. Right. We can't look at them all the time. But they have these little character affects that is that make them in the same. They're good villains for Freakazoid specifically because they are unhinged enough, yeah, to meet him on his level, but not so unhinged that they pull the focus. Like um, Gutierrez, he when they're in the office and Roddy McStew is like let freakazoid to go why would you eat why do you why are you keeping him here why don't you let him go and gutierrez launches into the monologue from wrath of khan because he tasks me he <laughs> tasks me <laughs> goes through the whole fucking because he tasks me he tasks me Round the moons of Snibia, I chuckle at thee. Beyond the Corpian clouds, I chuckle more at thee. Revenge is a dish best served with pinto beans and muffins. Kirk, oh friend, I... And he does that... Oh, sorry. He does that because he's Khan. Yes. Because this is Ricardo <laughs> Montalban. <laughs> it's so good. Who they got... <laughs> And was like, yeah. yeah, I'll come on for this and like four other episodes. <laughs> it's incredible stuff. And they really, the second season especially, they really flesh out the villains and give them a little bit more time in the spotlight. The lobe is a highlight, but also like we get a date scene between Co Queen Cobra and Cave Guy. So like they're doing the superhero like villain team up. I got to fight two at once. But also like, oh yeah, these characters are kind of well matched and like, the high society and the like, ooh, I want diamonds for my for my expensive exotic pets. Like, they get along really well. They got chemistry. I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so I think that they they definitely did a good job of making the the villains fun 
interesting, but not too interesting. Like, right. there's no depth. There's no depth, and as fun as I find them, I think that they wouldn't be able to carry too much of the show, which is why I'm glad that they... You can see the evolution from Animaniacs, where we're like, we can't watch the Warner Brothers the whole time, so we're only going to watch them some of the time. We're going to do the on we're gonna do the 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 smorgasbord uh, approach can, can you compare the caliber or depth of these villains to say earthworm jim's villains because aesthetically they're quite similar right they're can you, all can you remind me what the earthworm uh, there, were, there was a fish were? with a strong southern accent um yeah bob there the was Go- a there the was a pastor bob the goldfish yes. there was there was a um guy with a monkey on his head yeah, okay, yeah. Professor Monkey for I'm, Brains? There was a crow? I, I, I am struggling to remember much of Earthworm Jim. Earthworm Jim has a similar a similar vibe. Uh, this is only going to reach you and no one else, but uh, Brian Clevenger's Nuclear Man. Hmm. Like, I know I'm a hero, and I'm very convinced of my own righteousness and do not understand anything about common sense. Right. Um. It, like, the, I was raised Jim on comic a, books. He's very similar to Freakazoid in a bunch of ways. I I think maybe it's just the craft. In yeah. it, it, it's just there's a, there's, there's a level there's a level of experience to the writers of Freakazoid that I I think maybe Earthworm Jim just didn't have. I think Arthur, Earthworm Jim was also a, a bit older than 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 Freakazoid. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt that like they got the Batman the animated series guys to write Batmanish villains like. God damn it, that's good. They can just copy paste and add a filter. Um, yeah, all I, I I struggle to define why the villains work well, other than it's the same writers and good voicing. Yeah. And, so and then if you look at yeah, the if you look at the villains in a lot of supporting cast, you're gonna see Jeff Bennett doing a variety of impressions. Yep. You're gonna get Maurice Lamarche. You're gonna get Tress McNeil. Yeah. You oh, can't go wrong. Was Maurice, Lam- was Maurice Lamarche a Loeb? No, the Loeb is someone named David Warner, who's, like, famous for his villain roles. Okay, okay. Who is Marius LaMarche? I'm struggling to remember. Looking it up. (laughs) He voiced Henry Kissinger. (laughs) Of course he did. A politician who was kidnapped by Dr. Mystico's Orangu men. Sure. Uh, by the uh, way, Longhorn. Oh, and the brain yeah, so, shows up. Okay. Oh, and the lawn gnomes. I guess. Yeah, I oh, do know that wizard. the brain shows up. I saw an episode where where they were there as well, um, which is good because I, I always like seeing it, them. W B like, in this era was quite incestuous, in a good way, in the best way. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So all the villains work for me. How about the supporting? Well. Guys? Not all of them. Uh, like, I actually don't care for Cave Guy all that much. Oh, really? Yeah, he's not my favorite. Uh, yeah. I think that the, the characterization is just a bit shallow. I like the concept, but not the execution. Mm-hmm. But I I, li- I love Loeb. I love Gutierrez. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, those ones work on me pretty good. I We do have a diff, a, an extended supporting cast. I'm going to start with Dexter Douglas, which is... You know, the Bruce Wayne to Freakazoid's Batman. Check him out. Check out Dexter Douglas. Nerd Computer Ace. Yeah, he is... Severely underutilized. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that. Like, I think 
they, they, and they underline it eventually like can we get him removed from the title sequence or something like that freakazoid mm. says something to that effect but i think that they they recognize that you know we, we want more grounding to this show we can't just have everywhere doing everything and the way that they do that for freakazoid is we tie him to this human tether that's fine i think that that's a good if we need to be in the superhero antics parody thing you, you, like you'd never do the freakazoid um two dates on friday night gag without a dexter douglas right i don't know how they could have used him better because I, I don't have problems with the notion of nerd gets superpowers becomes like it, it's it's not unlike the Stanley Ipkiss parable, right. the Stanley parable, if you will. <laughs> oh yeah, there's uh, only one interpretation of what that means. Yeah, I thought I thought you'd get it, um, which is that you have the really humdrum, nose to the grindstone, don't don't make waves guy, the one who fears of uh, being improper. Mm-hmm. We we turn him into, um, you know, a ta- a Taz the Tasmanian Devil. Uh, yeah, monster. from Dingus to Debonair. Yeah, Dinganair. And uh, we we kind of do that with Dexter Douglas, but yeah, he does not get enough characterization to really... Again, the, the problem, I think, is the same reason that the villain uh, that the villain thing was such a success. Yeah. is because the villains were designed to take up less focus than Freakazoid, but still be engaging. How do you do that for his alter ego? He can't... Yeah, he, by definition, be as interesting or pull as much focus as Freakazoid. And yet, he if, if he's on the screen, we don't have a Freakazoid, so we have this, this dearth of things to look at. We have this dearth of personality to fill, mm-hmm. and he, he cannot do it. His existence is treated as an obstacle to Freakazoid, both in the plot and like in the show in general, like on a metatextual yes. level. <laughs> Um, I like there's things you could do with that from a oh I'm a serious comic writer making a, a sustained plot line you know Jeff Johns kind of thing um, but I agree there's not a lot that you can actually do that's worth watching in the show itself I think that they do it right sometimes where they like introduce Dexter Douglas is having kind of a rough time and then the scene morphs into a freakazoid one and Freakazoid has the adoration of the public. And we we have enough... Like, Dexter and Freakazoid seem disparate personalities, but, like, you do get the feeling... You do get the kind of, hey, the nerd, you know, got mm-hmm. back at those jocks, or he, he, he got the adoration of the girls. Like, in the first episode, when he goes to the dance, and he's a superhero, super cool superhero, so all the girls are crushing on him after having shot down Dexter over the phone. Right. Um, Freakazoid takes no small amount of pleasure in telling them off. <laughs> like, loudly and rudely, like, blowing raspberries in the faces of these, uh, of these, um, these, these, these heartthrobs. Yeah. And there, there's an element of, like, good for him. Like, I'm glad he's standing up for himself, sort of. Yeah. And we, yeah. And we referenced the first episode a lot because this, show does not require a lot of explanation when you're perceiving it firsthand. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I think um, I'll, I'll give an example of how they lean away from the Dexter of it all in the second season toward the end, but not at the very end. 
uh, Steph finds out that Freakazoid is Dexter. And they never mention it again because yeah. it would take time away from what's interesting to deal with that whole secret identity nonsense. Yeah, it it must have been a very hard line to thread. It's like, we, we need to have enough superhero foundation yeah. to make the parody work, but not so much that it commands time, Yeah, that it commands real estate on the screen. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, we need an origin for Superman. Okay, he's from Krypton. We don't need to spend a significant amount of time on Krypton, and when we do, it, it tends well, to backfire. You, you, you do if it's the first time you're dealing with Superman. <laughs> like, it's... It's, I mean... Yeah, it's you, and the of, origin you, episode was great. Well, yeah, and, and, like, you know, we now have the luxury of, like, okay, we're doing a Spider-Man. Don't worry about the Uncle Ben stuff. We get it. We we know. We know mm-hmm. already. Great power, et cetera, responsibility, yada, yada. If we had never seen that, that would be an extremely important part of his character <laughs> to gloss over. So right. I, I don't think that the right... The origin is important. I think it's important to tie Freakazoid to a human counterpart. Right. I don't know how to make him pop more I, while it, it still puts being a, true to the formula. It puts a limiter on him. Sometimes we don't need a limiter. Sometimes the plot doesn't call for it. That's true. Sometimes we just start with a Freakazoid and it's totally fine. Um, in terms of other supporting cast, we have Roddy McStew. Uh, this, this is just Craig Ferguson. They just got him. <laughs> Yep, to, it's to just Craig Ferguson. Exposition. Um, a alleged mentor, he kind of explains things that need explaining. He doesn't do a lot, but he's an angry Scotsman, and that in the 90s, that polled. Comedy gold, yeah. You might yeah. as well have a bus full of nuns. <laughs> it's, um, and, and like, like, in the way that Animaniacs warps what country representation means, yeah. he is the ur-Scotsman. Yep. Like, He's always wearing a a kilt and has like one of those little those little those little hats and has the beard like he is every Scotsman <laughs> all he, at he's, once. He's the Samurai Jack Scotsman. He might as well be carrying bagpipes and doing a caber toss at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but we are maybe the longest build anticipation for something for us to gush over that we've done we we gotta talk about cosgrove so cosgrove is ed asner uh, uh they they kept getting like, like legit actors like on this immortally ed asner <laughs> yeah well they they built up their credentials right right tiny two adventures animaniacs these things were wildly popular at least animaniacs was mm-hmm. so they actually had pull now yeah steven Spielberg and... comes a knocking he's like I want to put you in something. And you're like, oh my God, a Steven Spielberg movie. This is going to be huge. Like, well. Steven Spielberg, <laughs> I've got a feeling this is going to be a great day. <laughs> no good? <laughs> it's, it's fine. It got, it got okay. there. It became yeah. recognizable. What more do you want? <laughs> um, yeah. Cosgrove is a treasure. There's, there's not really. He's the hawk foo of this, uh, <laughs> this hundredth anniversary. Like, he's, he's just supporting cast. But he's very, he's he's very he's a good anchor for Freakazoid. He's a friend that Freakazoid can have. Yeah. And in the same way as the villains, like he pops, he doesn't pull that much focus, and he's gone in like twelve seconds. Like yeah. he only vaguely shows up to be a weird, uh, deadpan cop 
to for Freakazoid to have a weird friendship with. He he arrives to shift Freakazoid's focus onto something else. Like something that doesn't require his focus. Like he's he's a distraction, <laughs> but he's also the dead panist that a pan will ever dead. Yeah. We're panning for like, death over here. He's panning for death 24/7. Like for instance, they're at like what was it like a monster truck rally maybe a sumo match something it like really that doesn't it doesn't matter uh it could have been you know it could have been as ice capades it like it could be anything mm-hmm. it could be them trying going for a mint the the point and is that it's not them solving a crime <laughs> <laughs> the, the point is that it's it's a, a distraction that one a superhero who has more important shit to do and two a cop that f- for like, he clearly is on duty. <laughs> like, he's wearing his uniform and everything. I think that he retired and just keeps wearing it around. It's impossible to gauge. Like, his his backstory doesn't get explained. The closest we get is, Cosgrove, why didn't you ever marry? And he his response is, I guess I just like meat too much. <laughs> you could still get married and just eat a lot of meat. Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, God, like it's a perfect joke. It's a perfect delivery, and they like, know okay, which uh, jokes need a deadpan delivery. And it, I, I don't think we're really getting across just how deadpan that delivery is. <laughs> right, like it's, it's, it's very. Hey, freakazoid, you want to go get a mint? Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's that he allows the context to do the work of the uh of of the humor of it and it's 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 that comedically serious counterpoint to the manic silly that we get with freakazoid so it's a very good pairing Mm -hmm. it there's no like you can imagine freakazoid being super pumped to go watch you know hercules on ice or something Never in a million years would a character that looks like Cosgrove. Cosgrove is every dumpy cop. <laughs> like, clearly not fit to chase down perps. Right. He's He's got the affect of a Bob Hoskins off of a three-day bender. Like, he's so tired. He's so... His his face is sunken. It, it cannot be unmelted. Like, the jowls are permaglued in that position. And he is just as into the idea of Hercules on ice as Freakazoid. Yes. It, it always reads so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just well done. They found the good note and they hit it. And they don't hit it too hard. They do it like once an episode. Freakazoid. Distraction. Yeah, I'm game, man. Now we're at the tail end of a distraction, which again has that little cherry on top of that sundae of... Freakazoid patting his stomach after eating what is presumably a singular mint. <laughs> <laughs> they have some random. Oh man, I'm never gonna look at. I'm never gonna look at Tarzan the same way again. Oh, look at the time. I better go do that thing I was supposed no, to do. Cosgrove will remind him. <laughs> hey Cosgrove, <laughs> weren't you supposed? Or, or hey Freakazoid, weren't you supposed to? Uh, As though he wasn't the person who dragged him away from it. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's just—it's oh, just well done. We're suckers for it, Ben. We are. We might be uniquely suckers for it because we have seen so much deadpan humor mm-hmm. that the expertise of this character doing the best deadpan humor read. 
And here's the secret sauce that I mentioned earlier. The comedic intonation behind these... You can imagine some random guy who isn't a dumpy cop who looks like he just got divorced every day of his life. You can imagine some guy, just a random normal guy, coming up to Freakazoid and saying, Hey Freakazoid, want to go get a mint? And that same level of giddiness that Freakazoid has, this guy also has, no comedy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely unfunny. Or, or it feels too obvious of a joke, right? Oh, Freakazoid's easily distracted, that's the joke. No, Cosgrove's the joke. Freakazoid's yeah. distraction is allowing the, the joke to happen, right? And it's also a meta joke of like, we have set up that something is high stakes. The orchestra is telling us we better get to the thing pronto. Cue Cosgrove showing up with distraction. Yep. It's, it, it is uniquely our kryptonite, I think. Yep. But I, I hope that other people enjoy it just as much. I want to talk a little bit more about the comedic intonation with some of this dialogue. Mm -hmm. I don't think the dialogue always hits. But there are pieces of dialogue that hit so well and stick in my brain so precisely. And I think that's that owes to the delivery, which is impeccable. Yeah. Let me give an explanation. Um, when they... I'm actually going to look up a thing because I should have looked up who Jack Valenti is because I forgot. Well, Ben, uh, according to Freakazoid, he is the then president of the Motion Picture Association. That is that is accurate. So at one point, he's he's introducing the Freakazoid origin story. Um, and he, he turns the camera and says, well, it turns out that we have a reel of all of the Freakazoid in origin filled with action and adventure and even a scene with a man wrestling a bear for no reason. <laughs> that comma, space, 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 for, for no, no reason, is so... It's, it's, it changes it from not a joke to a joke yes. so, so hard. Yes, yes. This, this ungraspable thing that we're trying to nail down. It's, it's hard to express, but like, like they know that it's silly and they're communicating that we recognize that it's silly and they know that too mm -hmm. like it's the the amount that the delivery communicates to me the audience that hey we're both in on the joke here <laughs> just establishes that goodwill we talked about it before like that co that symbiotic relationship mm -hmm. uh between uh, in Robot Chicken, between we know that the show gets it to the degree that we get it, yeah, and that's so there. important. Mm -hmm. There's the trust. Um, yeah, God damn it! It's it. It makes <laughs> it's a masterclass in comedic intonation. It makes the jokes twice as funny. That comma dot 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 is so strong. I I don't know a better way to put it. <laughs> when uh, when Gutierrez is threatening somebody, and he has this verbal tick where he'll keep using the term lickety split in a way that a villain shouldn't. And he says, <laughs> if I don't have a well, phone... Well, the way that a Latino villain probably should. Oh, in this case, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, if, I, if I don't have a phone line lickety split, I will squeeze you. And I will continue to squeeze you until all of your man juices run dry. <laughs> Read the wrong way, you couldn't put that to film. 
he, he sells it as the way it's intended. He's 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 tasting every every letter of the word squeeze. <laughs> yes. With such anticipation. Like he's so into the villain's speech. I will squeeze you. Mm-hmm. Like the, it he draws it out in such a way. It it really feels like the voice cast and the voice direction on this show they were just on they were on the same level. Well, it's it's like they weren't making freakazoid, right? It's like they were making sh- like this lost Shakespeare play that's never been put to film. <laughs> it does like like I they mean, cared. Not every piece of it. Like a lot of the dialogue does miss like all the jokes about him like not liking poo gas. Like I'm I'm it's a little juvenile for me. Mm-hmm. And not all of the dialogue does have that mastery of pacing. But with a, with like a remarkable level of hit, like a, a remarkable hit percentage, the dialogue is so fine tuned as to maximize the comedy mm-hmm. that that it, it just it also wasn't a thing. It wasn't overdeveloped in that stage of syndicated animation. Like we were getting there, we were yeah. getting to the point where we had more resources to throw but like this was still in like the mid 90s like we've only been around for like three or four years um it wasn't like a a, a, a simpsons right yeah at this point like it wasn't overdeveloped to like we, we didn't put it into an algorithm it was just <laughs> really talented writers and direction that was unafraid of wringing all their man juice out of them they 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 bought that trust with animaniacs right they did give us creative freedom we're gonna make a hit it might not be the hit you were expecting (laughs) it might not and then with the demographic ruger is like telling them okay this is the read i want you to get and ed asner says let me stop you there i know the correct read <laughs> i'm ed the right asner. read the right read is the one i'm giving it the right read oh, no, i'm is sorry that's that's ed, maurice ed, lamarch ed, ed, as ed asner saying something heavy and sad <laughs> yeah it's the only way i know how to read but you got ed asner so here we are i'm i'm struggling it's it's a hard thing to qualify but i think this might be the best show at its ability to deliver its punchlines not the Mm. punchlines themselves the punchlines are good but they're not like above and beyond but the read of those punchlines is is untouchable Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and that's for for that reason i think is what put this above animaniacs for me is because when they made a joke it's they sold it they they their their mastery through Animaniacs, like that was what the training was for almost. Mm-hmm. Or 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 this is them at the peak of their game, and I could I very easily passively watched like five episodes of Freakazoid because it, it like most of the time it was just pleasant Animaniacs yeah or superhero and I'm like I know both of those yeah. I don't have to think too hard goes down smooth and then when the line read comes that sticks in your head. <laughs> And yeah, and then Jack Valenti says, a man wrestling a bear for no reason. <laughs> In the way that you would only say if you were doing it for a line read. <laughs> and, right and they were the like, well, give us another take. Okay. <laughs> it's like how um, it's like how Kubrick made his actors film the same scene like dozens of times until they were exhausted and used that take. 
Like that's give, awesome. Give me the least human read possible. Of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There are a few more aspects of this show. Um, so in the first season, we have uh, some some side, some some like uh, side cartoons, side side segments, some specials. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not not quite quickies, but like the Animaniac style. Let's pan away and do a thing that we don't do that often. They, they were trying new things, right? They were like, "Well, maybe this will be funny, uh, and if it goes well, we'll do it again." So they try something, and it's like, "Well, here's some magic gnomes," and it's like, "Well, that that was bad," and they don't do it again. But they do like Lord Bravery. Oh, he's he's a put upon haughty British superhero. I'm like, I'll give him a couple segments. <laughs> Yeah, you you've you've earned a first season. Yeah. It's um yeah, this this is kind of the more oh yeah, what a cartoon kind of gambit. Yeah, of yeah. Like we're we're just let's just have a bunch of stuff that we throw in there. People are watching Freakazoid already. That they're going to stay for a 2-minute thing. We might as well. I think that they wisely recognized that Freakazoid was enough on its own and mm-hmm. started and stopped doing that. But I I don't I don't disagree with the notion. Yeah, especially because that's what had worked in Animaniacs. Exactly, like, you can't just abandon your formula. And they had good characters; they just didn't know how to fit them in without their own segment. So, like when yeah. when Freakazoid references the hero versus villains baseball game, and they like cut back to that, and the Huntsman is an umpire, and he's like, "Ah, oh, I looked the other way during the ball, Don the luck." And it's like, "All right, I'm here. I'm here for some Huntsman. I don't I don't have three minutes to spend on him, but I'm here for him and his and his catchy theme." And and you can kind of see where they were trying to go with that is like, well, we want someone for Freakazoid to play with. And the truth is, he doesn't play with other superheroes. Not with like other superheroes. Can't. Yeah. Yeah, he already has all the villains that he would want and a, and a ridiculous friend. Like, he already has a full playset. He doesn't have room for more superheroes. Mm-hmm. And they had so many ideas for parody superheroes. So, like, they, they wanted... They wanted more parody hero stuff, but there was no more room. Freakazoid is just, it, it, it is too large a, pet, a Tetris piece to fit anything else in that container. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least that's the way it seemed to me. In the second season, he did lean on his supporting cast a bit more uh, just to kind of like buoy him and, and to get him from place to place because they then, they, a single plot line started to fill a whole episode, right? So you need him and Cosgrove and Steph and this Professor Jones Butler that he picked up. Uh, who's, oh, God, creepy. Yeah, the guy from Lost in Space named Professor Jones. Um, and isn't his affect just, just that he's really creepy? He's creepy and he freaks out. Um, it, it it worked for me because it gave Freakazoid like a damsel in distress who wasn't the obvious damsel in distress and somebody who could like play off Cosgrove a little bit like like he worked okay for me yeah um, but in those uh later episodes you didn't need Freakazoid to drive the plot other characters could and then he could show up and do his thing I think that that is fine I think that he doesn't need to drive the plot he needs to be the focus when he's there mm-hmm. but um he doesn't really need to be attached to the plot in any way, shape, or form. Like that's not a I, I think it, necessity. I think, I think the rest of the cast is useful for buoying Freakazoid and like balancing out his appearances. Because otherwise, you do have those quick Animaniac cuts and the sort of much more uh, random hit or miss aspect. 
That, that's no, how I, I just I, I can see that. I I think I just find Freakazoid at his best when he has someone to play with. Yeah, like willing or not, uh, he needs to have a a participant in his antics in order to have the funny. Um, I do have two facts about uh, Jonathan Harris, the guy who played Professor Jones, that I think you'll like. Okay. Fact one, he played uh, one of the two characters from, you're not going to believe this, the third man, referenced <sighs> by Nick constantly. <laughs> we can cut shout that out. Outs. This is just for you. <laughs> shout outs, shout Nick. Secondly, uh, he voiced a character called Grumblebee from something called Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night. Okay, 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 wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, we're looking this up. <laughs> is this like a turn-off-the-dark kind of Pinocchio? Like a, I don't, a dramatic? Uh, Pinocchio's big this year, or this past year. He's getting a bunch of adaptations. He's getting a Souls-like. Did you see that new Pinocchio Souls-like that's going to come out? 1987? Yeah. No, shut up, Zane. Listen, oh my god, look at this poster. <laughs> is it a little Vinnie Pooh? It's, it's, it's difficult <laughs> it's 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 very hasbro this uh-huh. is oh yeah filmation yeah this this is this is some filmation ass what on earth is that magician doing with that kite magician of night is that a robot master this is a <laughs> that this is an insane <laughs> this is an insane poster james earl jones voiced the emperor <laughs> <laughs> well, he voiced every emperor. Oh, That's Ed Asner's here too. Ben, we might have to check this out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, this is something. Mm-hmm. The Emperor of the Night. <laughs> such okay. a such a beautiful Ben phrase. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that should just be a suffix to any animated property I watch from now on. Um. Do you want to describe uh, the gremlin that is Emmett Nervend, or should we just... I'm okay just passing it by. <laughs> I will. I would like to talk about the... Well, I guess I did have an animation note. Uh-huh. Which is that uh, I, only, I only saw this once, but I think that it might be true for more, so tell me if I'm right or not. There is a delightful rotating-the-camera, like, hyper-dramatic uh, shot when dexter gets sucked into the computer for the first time Mm, yeah um and that's not in the first episode that's in the quote-unquote intro arc yeah but that doesn't happen for a few episodes i got the feeling like although the animation cues are very similar to the animaniacs in almost every way that it it got a bit of a bump or maybe just a little bit they were getting a little bit more sophisticated because i didn't see anything like that in animaniacs at any point it was always two-dimensional storybooks kind of stuff yeah i think with with something like this it's more important that the characters jump off the page a little um it's definitely evoking that comic book style and so yeah you need uh more dynamic actions and posing because these these are more humanoid looking characters right they're not yeah. as uh, uh the, the, they're more defined shape wise than animaniacs because they don't have to fit into a million different aesthetics they just need to fit the one animaniacs you might yeah. be doing you know a, a speed racer thing well you're gonna have to shift their arms and legs around a bit for that aren't you maybe the fact that moron isn't a human is part of why he didn't really work mm. but by which i mean like we didn't actually explain it, what moron is did we he's just a big dumb alien yeah 
Uh, there's not much to it. But, like, I think Freakazoid needs a quote-unquote human in order to play with. Mm-hmm. Like, he can be a regular human with just kind of a weirdness streak to him. He can be uh, a Batman villain in the in the manner of Loeb or Candlejack, who's, like, ostensibly human after some sort of accident. Um, but I, I, I like your point about, um, about, like, popping off the page. This being kind of more action hero superhero kind of stuff Mm -hmm. that actually plays right into the intro where he's like jumping out of the background into the foreground like there's that good depth of field there can we can we talk about this god tier intro yes we can (laughs) this is this is impeccable um so it tells the story the way like an intro in the 90s would you know yo danny phantom he was 14 he got sucked into a ghost dimension slash the internet. Mm-hmm. But then after it says, like, it's Freakazoid, he's very powerful, it goes on to tell us, like, a bunch of random facts. <laughs> like, lyrics which feel like a Google result for Freakazoid. Like, his home base is the Freakalayer. Okay, yeah, thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, none of this comes up. Uh, Floyd like... the Barber cuts his hair. I'm going to need a what? citation, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> And then it's like, hey, did you want to see this video of a chimp? I'm like, okay, I'm tired of this Google search. Well, it's it's they're 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 having fun with the word freakazoid. They, they're getting, I think it's an intentional part of like, you know, wacky races. How like the 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 core adjective there is wacky. Like yeah. the, that is the thing that we want you to focus on. In the same way. The, the show is trying to communicate through this intro. Think about the word Freakazoid. That's the energy we want this to have to uh-huh. you, the audience. Freakazoid, 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 chimpanzee. <laughs> like, it it just, it wants to communicate to you the, 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 this, this frenetic, wild, manic, fun energy so that we can be on Freakazoid's kind of level uh-huh. once he starts in with his nonsense. We're kind of, like, queued up for it. Yeah, and also the fourth wall aspect of it, right? Like, if yes. if you don't watch, will it get canceled? <laughs> yeah, well, that's not that's not um, particular to Freakazoid. That's been going on since Tiny Toon Adventures. Yeah, we crack up all the censors. Yeah, yeah. That it, it's 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 branding. It's showing like, hey, we're part of this canon. But it it also kind of exceeds that level of thing because not only is it a bouncy, fun intro. Um, where the words don't matter where the words don't matter it's also it's also it's also fo- narrowing our focus onto this one character that that simply didn't happen with tiny toon adventures mm. or animaniacs right. they went through these are all the characters you're going to need to look out for because they're all kind of important we're just listing a bunch of we're we're doing the i am the very man of a modern major general speech we're, we're just <laughs> we're doing a weird al song where we just want a long run-on sentence yeah. to give you energy. It's it's like a hardware store, right? Like, the point yes. is we're just saying it faster than it could be said. His brain's overloaded. It has a chocolate coating. Like, I kind of... Well, yeah. Maybe Good that enough. makes yeah. sense. And, and it has, like, the Pac-Man thing with him eating his own head. It's great. <laughs> um, So it's, it's delivering the frenetic energy of the Animaniacs and Tiny Toons intro, but it's also getting into that superhero yeah. fanfare thing yeah and and like it, it's 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 not dark but it is like kind of more noir toned like it feels kind of like a 
we're gonna watch Golden Age Batman kind of, or Silver Age Batman kind of thing. Like, it has the bombastic orchestra. Um, it, it's, it's a 50s, 60s instrumental rock song. Yeah. It, it's a it's a stylist. It's stylized in the same way that the Darkwing Duck intro was stylized, right? Like, when there's trouble, you call DW. It's the same thing where we're mm-hmm. just stylistically telling you what this character and what the show is about. Um, I don't know why it's better than Animaniacs other than just, like, subjectively I enjoyed it more. I, I think you nailed it because it's focused on the one character and because it doesn't need to make sense, they don't really bother. With Pinky and the Brains theme song, still focusing on just a couple characters doesn't have the energy. This this kind of nailed it. The, the purpose of the intro for Freakazoid is definitely, here's the character that you're going to focus on. This is why you should enjoy him. He has just has a lot of energy and you're just you're just you get to be part of this. Mhm. Animaniacs did that too, but it wasn't focusing you on the character, it was focusing you on the show. And right. that's just a lot less immersive, I guess, or it just like the the connection kind of wavers, especially when the delivery of that energy is sometimes um, one of the less good segments in Animaniacs. No, you're, you're always, you're pretty much always going to get the Freakazoid here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, welcome to Animaniacs. Here is this buffet platter of options. No, welcome to Freakazoid, home of the Freakazoid. Here's a Freakazoid burger. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly what you're going to get. And damn it, they just deliver it. They deliver <laughs> it right there in the intro. They continue delivering it throughout the episode. They deliver um, it in like freeze frame bonus stuff in the end credits. God damn, it's so good. They know it. Uh, the the song itself won a 1996 Daytime Emmy for an outstanding origin song. <laughs> the Daytime Emmy is <laughs> like... I don't know, man. It's just kind of cool, right? We got to look down a list of those. I feel like they get real granular. They also do the same... Like, there's a lot of... We learned from Animaniacs, and we're we're doing... It's It's the definition of an evolution of... The source material because uh-huh. because they they in addition to kind of having the same run-on sentence appeal while you know focusing on one character they also have like a lot of similarities with um with it with that um you know the animani totally insane something something couch gag yeah they do that with the or else we'll be unemployed i think there's a couple other ones right yeah um but also they in um the Animaniacs intro, they do the xylophone on a bunch of random characters' heads. Mm-hmm. They do that here, yeah. And then he does it on his own head. It's, it's and it it's fits. A... It fits with the with the story of Freakazoid. We've escalated. And now the story of here's the thing. Now the story of Freakazoid is important. Like it informs the character. It informs something about this world other than the fact that this world is lunacy, which mm-hmm. is what you had in Animaniacs. Um. Again, I think it just it the narrowing of the focus toward this character just makes you more invested. I get well, definitely in the character, but I think also in the show as a whole. Yeah, you know, you're you're not a passive observer of here's a bunch of stuff like here's a here's a mosaic for you to look at at your leisure. Versus, I'm gonna I'm giving you story time about Freakazoid. Yep. You are an active participant in this conversation. Like, there's a, there's a different communication style and, and in this intro. And it's not your active participant in the way that, like, 
oh, Dora's asking me to say the word. I'm going to say the word because everybody says the word. You're an active participant in the sense that, like, the narrator at the start of the show is thanking somebody for having the last name Hugbees because they like the word Hugbees. And then they recommend everybody say Hugbees. And then they ask the audience, <laughs> hey, can you do it? And then later on the show, Cosgrove is like, hey, Freakazoid's down. We got to help him out. So clap, clap, throw in a couple of Hugbees. <laughs> like, it's, you feel like really you're in good. on an in-joke. Well, you are. And, like, that wasn't absent from Animaniacs or uh, or Tiny Toon Adventures. Like, they they had all of those, like, slyly turned to the camera. Like, that classic, the classic Bugs Bunny turns to the camera and like raises an eyebrow like mm -hmm. we're noticing something audience <laughs> like they have that all the time in Tiny Toon Adventures and Animaniacs it just feels more personal here because we have a single person I, I, I'm, I'm just repeating myself now it's the, it's the focus on the character of Freakazoid and the fact that he communicates well is is like you can imagine it being kind of a big risk too. Yeah. If this character didn't really, didn't really land, the show has nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Like it's this is a huge, load bearing Zoid. It it's it's a risk, um, and it's it's niche, right? You don't have the the comfort of a broad appeal and moving forward with what works. You have to nail it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Freakazoid, it, it hit us well. It hit us extreme. It hit me extremely well. I actually like again. I'm just going to like point out the fact that it's it's not just zaniness for zaniness's sake. I think you could argue with some success that Animaniacs was closer to that. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's true there either, but it's clearer here that it's not because the the dialogue is so finely tuned. Again, I'm just going to re reference that fighting a bear, dot, 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 for no reason. <laughs> the Cosgrove's delivery. Like, these these are the, the fact that we look at a creepy chiropractor getting ready to get his fingers all up in that business for exactly three seconds and no longer. Mm -hmm. But these are, it's like the thing that you constantly talk about, like, they measured the the amount of time for Wiley Coyote to fall down that cliff before the the puff of smoke comes out. Like, it is that level of tuning to make these jokes work. Not all of them. Not all the time. Right. But a surprising frequency of jokes that hit real well and phrases that stick in your brain for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, I have nothing more to say. God damn, it's adorable. It is, it's an adorable property. Freakazoid's an adorable character. I love just watching him be happy around a bunch of people, many of whom don't really want to talk to him. Right. They they treat him they treat him like what he is, which is a dangerous man who could be helpful. <laughs> Loeb is a lot like the Frank Grimes in that situation, <laughs> where he's just like, God, what don't you see what, what's wrong that? with you people <laughs> can't deal with the fact that freakazoid is loved and accepted uh well i think we have squeezed this show until all of its show juices have run dry <laughs> uh, <laughs> he tasks me oh God, and some, i love the reads. sometimes this guy just shows up to like deliver some extra like a sub announcer like standing up against a desk and he says and now you know the rest of the story and that's how i feel about yeah. this 
with like the closed eyes and like he clearly is a reference to some something. someone yeah some something someone. not for us there's a lot of kind of references that also didn't hit me but the context of the show like i get it i get what you're supposed to be doing here like mm-hmm. um dexter's family gets kidnapped and tortured by showing them a marty ingles comedy sketch don't need to know who that is don't need to fine yeah and like he he does some sort of peewee herman voice and they all recoil in terror and roddy mcstew is like have a heart you you don't it's inhuman you know yeah. like i get the joke it's yes. it's, it's enough Yep. Um, yeah, this show is great. It's not It's not directly to us in the way that I feel like Jackie Chan Adventures was, just to give us a comparison to our last hundred thing. Yeah. I do think the niche appeal, like, applies, but I don't think it's that alienating either. Yeah, I, I, it, it's... You had to be there, man. It, is, it, is it really a, a you had to be there, man? You I can't had look at be, it with fresh eyes. <laughs> you had to be that age when you saw it, I guess. Maybe, maybe. I would be interested to hear from any of you listeners if you have seen Freakazoid just for the first time based on our show and haven't seen it in the past. I would love to hear yeah. about what you think about it. Let, so let us know. Go, yeah, go ahead and write uh, into the Carton cast after we talk about the next couple of shows. Yeah, uh, Ben, which what's the next one? Zane. Is it time for an anime or... It's a movie. Was it the other thing you mentioned? Yes. Looking through my phone for the thing that you said. Happy 200. Okay. What the Constitution means to me is that we can all (laughs) have a great time uh, vamping as we need to. Because freedom of speech, etc. Ben, cut off at any point. I I could. I was kind of trying to see... how much you had in the tank uh, and it not, seems like not a lot not not a ton no. not 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 a lot though it seems uh we're gonna be watching the movie inside out mm-hmm. this has been heralded from the days of carton cast your because i don't do my job mm-hmm. ever for yeah, any reason and, and uh you know we've been doing a lot of niche stuff recently this has a wide appeal this was a very successful pixar movie everybody loved it you're yeah, gonna love it too. highly highly um highly useful as a externalization of a common phenomenon mm-hmm. which is my favorite kind of <laughs> externalization externalization <laughs> what's wrong with you man what's what's going on there zane you're the cosgrove to my freakazoid i'm uh... just putting i i'm just creating content it's up to you to distract me yep Away from what we're trying to say, and then back toward what we're trying to say, oh which is, what's after Inside Out, Zane? Well, Ben, uh, I yeah. think it's time that we did a classic anime. We've done a lot of anime-esque things recently. You know, you're totally spies, Zelda, Neo Yokio, Samurai Jack, Space we gotta Jam. We got to get back to our roots. Back. We got to get roots. back to our roots. But I'm not quite done thinking about the Freakazoid. Let's watch Zoids. Mm. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect and great. Great and beautiful. Now, I did a little looking up. There were apparently four different Zoidses. Um, this is a mech show. This is a mech anime. And apparently the first season, the first Zoids was a lot more like Gundam, where it's political intrigue and all that stuff. Um, yeah. I think we should watch the second series of Zoids, which is like a tournament battle arc. 
I, I think that that is the part that I was familiar with as a kid. That's the one that ran on Toonami, uh, Zoe's New the, Century. Yeah, that is that the one with the Liger? Yeah, yeah. It's it's maximized skills and magic. Uh, I'll take your word for it. According to Napoleon Dynamite. I, I recognize less Zoids lore than you do, which is a dire amount. Oh, no, that that's that's Napoleon Dynamite lore, my friend. Yeah, show notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to talk about either Inside Out or Zoids, uh, you can go to the Cartoncast at fancybat.com slash cartoncast. Drop us a line on our contact page. We... Would love to hear what you think about either of those before we record. You can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It really helps us out, and it validates our existence. And more than anything else, you can tell your friends about the show. Uh, yeah, tell Zane? them, hey, you want to check out this car- this cartoon podcast? Hey. And they're like, yeah, I'll check it out. And you're like, well, it has 200 mainline episodes and then a bunch of other bullshit. And they're like... Can I not? <laughs> can you not give me homework? Yeah, you can find. You can finally tell them it has more than two hundred episodes. Should we? Have, should we have like a big like in all caps onboarding episode uh, somewhere in here? Well, I mean, we should probably come up with just like a a fillerless walkthrough of our own podcast lore. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> you know, like like a, like, a, like speed run a podcast. Yeah, definitely hit up Dave the Barbarian. That's got some important context. Some, We're gonna some hit deep the dra- lore. Get into the Dragon of Metal with Shaolin Showdown. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna want to skip most of the movies until Loop on the Third. Um, <laughs> Loop on the Third. Um, yeah. Uh, shall we freak in? Um. He says freak out to turn into freakazoid. I feel like they should have gotten sued by that super freaking song and now we will listen to the super freak song for no reason (laughs) and then cut in hardware store or something yeah good no that's exactly how it goes yeah